This episode is brought to you by Philly Gemstones. A symbol is actually a vibrational uh, motif, just like the eye, the cross. What makes it powerful is over the centuries, the languages change, the geography changes, everything changes. What has not changed is the truth. And this for generations and remained the same for human beings. What makes us human has not changed. This wisdom is conveyed by symbols. The times that we're living in, they're not very easy times. There's a lot of chaos at the moment. And I think a lot of people need to be grounded. They need to feel supported. And I do think, you know, having crystals around you, it can, you know, they can also absorb some negative energy. Welcome to If Jewels Could Talk. I'm Carol Walton, the voice of jewellery, an author, broadcaster, and the woman who initiated the role of jewellery editor at magazines like Tatler and British Vogue. This is a podcast for everyone, for people who do like jewellery, for people who don't realise they like jewellery, and anyone intrigued by fascinating facts, new ideas, and forgotten histories. So please join me as I tell sparkly tales, meeting all sorts of people, delving into four centuries of jewellery culture, and investigate what's happening now. it's generally considered and accepted that everyone is always searching for greater meaning in their life. Many of us wear talismans and amulets or carry birthstones and bits of crystal that we find emotionally cheering. But I think recently jewels have moved into a larger role and become real feel-good objects and used for spiritual self-improvement and greater happiness. I want to talk about that today with two designers. Firstly, H.A. Siren, the founder of Bee Goddess, who'll be speaking to me from Turkey, whose work you saw on Rebel Wilson earlier in the year at the Oscars, and frequently Rihanna, Cara Delevingne, or Kate Winslet. And she creates collections based around the power of symbols. And later, I'll be talking with the American jewellery designer, Jacqueline Raban, in Los Angeles, who uses her work in jewellery and gemstones to reflect the human experience. So I want to know from both of them, can you use jewellery to change your mood? We know it's not magical, but can it make us feel better? H.A., thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to talk to you as always. And on the morning when you've just won the big L Style Awards. So thank you so much for joining If Jewels Could Talk. So I wanted to talk to you, H.A., because you make jewels with a sort of holistic mind. You seek out and create collections inspired by mythological, sacred and spiritual symbols to help you channel your sort of inner strength. And you call this your goddess philosophy. And I think anyone listening, we all need a bit of goddess in our life. (laughs) I want to talk to you about your personal journey, how you started this, because you had quite um, an unusual route into the jewellery world. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. First of all, I must say, you know, my uh, it really was not about jewelry for me. It was about finding a way to empower myself. I think we all want to manifest our soul's purpose. So prior to jewelry world, I was in the corporate world. I was 
working for companies like Coca-Cola and Microsoft for several, several years, a very patriarchal system, very demanding. And I always, no matter how successful I was, I always felt a void in my life. And I think that void was uh, the connection to my own spiritual essence, which to me is the feminine essence, which to me is the goddess essence. My turning point was uh, I was as a, at an astrological uh, reading and the gentleman said to me, Ece, your archetype is moon goddess Diana, Artemis, and you are here to serve others. The serving others part didn't really connect with me. I said, I'm a Virgo. And, and he said, you are uh, the archetype of Mother Teresa. Queen Elizabeth, you are here to serve others. I'm like, what about Greta Garbo? What about Sophia Loren? Anyway, I went home and I started studying, researching this incredible moon goddess Diana. And the more I read about her, I was like, absolutely, this is me. Very unmanifested, but it still is the seed. And I had a huge desire to express my light. I had a huge desire to manifest my dreams and I just didn't know how. And that discovery of Artemis connecting to the goddess philosophy was an incredible door opening in front of me to a new path of possibilities beyond my own imagination to, a, I would say, a parallel magical life. But first of all, you had to get to the end of your corporate life. I mean, you were traveling like crazy, different countries, working as a manager for Microsoft. You were in meetings with Bill Gates. And you almost had to get to burnout phase, didn't you, to, to change? I did burn out. I actually lost my health. I was Middle East and Africa marketing manager for Microsoft. And uh, yes, I mean, my life was on the plane. Uh, one day I caught a virus and I was hospitalized for one month and I really, it was a rebirth for me. Uh, I had a major issue with my kidneys and I really thought I was dying. I mean, I, I had no energy and everything. That was my, one of my wake up moments. It's, there is no like a total wake up moment. It's just, it builds on each other. I was not happy inside. But it was such a nice cage. It was such a powerful environment, you know, being there. And you always identify yourself with the organization you're surrounded, which I mean, I was lucky and blessed to work for such amazing companies and being part of them and contributing to them. But it was just not truth. It was not my truth. Uh, we need to fit in a box. Uh, the patriarchal world, or let's say the corporate world, is not somewhere or did not used to be at least a place where you can express yourself and be who you are. And I always had my soul very high on volume. I had uh, painted my walls in different colors when I used to work in Microsoft. I used to be the Sprite's brand manager and I colored the walls to green, blue, and yellow as sprite colors to express myself. It's only after 25 years today they are telling, show your colors, express your colors. So I was quite in advance my hearing my soul's 
calling and really had this burning desire to break. And it was so hard to break because uh, the, the power, the money, the material riches, the prestige is not something you can ha- easily let go and like come back to, to a world like just your name and nothing in it. But you, you said to me that you went to the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul and you bought some crystals. And that was another of your turning points. Uh, My turning point was really the discovery of the mythological motifs, the archetypal symbols, and namely with one starting with Artemis, the moon goddess Diana, and then uh, going and researching all different symbols and understanding how symbols and all the world, all the artifacts of the goddess, stones, crystals, colors, everything that affect our energy, how they work and how they impact our life, how they impact our own vibration. So where did you go and research? Where did you research all of this? Oh, I have, I think, collected thousands of books and so much online and like the books on symbols, the books on goddess, this is, there is a parallel world out there which is so empowering. The esoteric knowledge, but I've never really uh, followed one. Uh, What I try to do is research something from so many different sources. It takes me sometimes up to a year, like the rose, you know, to research and understand its true meaning. I would say it's not This doesn't, the change doesn't happen at the mind level. So you need to download the energy and the wisdom of what a symbol truly conveys in your being. And only then the symbol or the power that it represents change your vibration, change your frequency. And then I I actually consider this similar to downloading a new app into your phone, a new version because our old version does not help. Our being needs to change. And that changes with the wisdom. Because if we do not know how to bake a cake, if we do not have the recipe, we cannot just invent it. Somebody has to teach us. And this goes for everything, for happiness, for love, for abundance. All the powers that we want to connect into our life There is a way how to manifest it in your life. But this is not expressed, this this is not given to people because everybody out there wants you to follow somebody and they want to take your power away from you. So this is why people are searching. This is why people are feeling powerless and they try to to gain that power, to transfer that power from mostly the things they they have, they own. Because we have five senses and very physical beings, we believe, we are taught to believe that the whole world is limited to these five senses and what we own. So no matter how rich we are, unfortunately, because we are disconnected from the spiritual essence, we always have a void in our lives. And the void grows more and more because no matter how old we are and how rich we are, none of these material riches can truly give us this spiritual fulfillment, which is the everlasting fulfillment. That comes from ritual. 
That comes from being in tune with the soul, the spirit. That is something for every day. Just like we wash our face and brush our teeth. So once we are connected to our own soul's spiritual essence, not following others, but really following our own inside core heart's light, I would say. So by wearing the right symbol... It, that's acting as a reminder, a daily reminder of what you want and what you want to manifest in yourself. Okay, I'm going to uh, share. There are so many different ways to express this. So a symbol, what is a symbol? A symbol is actually a vibrational uh, motif, just like the eye, the cross, very powerful. Because uh, what makes it powerful is, you know, as we see over the centuries the languages change the geography changes everything changes the english we speak today is not the english they spoke 100 years ago and also the knowledge changes what we thought what we believed was true has also changed people used to believe that the world was flat so what has not changed is the truth and this uh, for generations for hundreds of years have remained the same for people, for human beings. The shelter, the happiness, the community, the self-actualization. So no matter where we are in the millennia, what makes us human has not changed. So this wisdom is conveyed by uh, symbols. So all mythology is the religion of another period. So the what we believe today in christianity in islam maybe the mythology in 100 years what is fascinating about the belief system is our treasure our gift our heritage it is conveyed in symbolism so the symbols are sacred because they connect us to a collective consciousness which is not divided by borders which is not divided by religions, which is not divided by language. So an eye or a rose or a lightning, this speaks to everybody no matter where we are on earth and no matter what time we are on the earth because this, the symbols represent the truth, the essence. And the most beautiful thing about them, it's a silent language. It's the language of the heart. Nobody has to actually give you the meaning of a rose. It speaks to your heart right away because nobody can take away its truth from that rose or from that, you know, Fibonacci spiral. So I've been studying symbols uh, for the last uh, 20 years in my life. It is really learning a different language. And what I have discovered with them is everybody resonates or is drawn to one or more more than one symbol. It doesn't matter how many. Maybe sometimes, you know, um, a few of the symbols have the same resonance. Let's say a symbol of light. You know, there is the sun, also there is the lightning. There are different symbols. So the energy from that symbol you are connecting your consciousness to, whether you're really aware of it or not. And then every time you see it and wear it, you are reminding yourself of that. So it's a sort of combination. It's a combination. If you know the meaning of the symbol that you have chosen, if you have discovered your soul symbol, and if you have an intention 
like you focus your intention, I say it's like working with a magnifier. When you put a magnifier on a piece of paper, the sun can burn that uh, paper. So it's a very physical reaction. So you, that symbol is a powerhouse. It's the temple coming to you. When you go to a temple to pray, you connect to your higher self. You leave everything else beyond. So you are in, in a very uh, pure environment and you connect to the inner divinity. So wearing a symbol is actually connecting to your inner divinity. And if you connect and make a conscious intention on, let's say, beauty or on abundance, the symbol works like a magnifier. It really combines your energy to the holistic energy of the temple, I would say. And my my particular symbol, I have to say, I think it was in 2015 or maybe even before, I spoke with H.A. about this and I wrote a story for the Financial Times and I said, I booked a session to find out which of her 900 designs would awaken, enlighten and connect me with the world and which would benefit me the most having written a list of my negative behaviour patterns, that probably took a while, anxieties and grudges, we held a ceremonial burning of these areas of transformation before H.A. selected a pair of white diamond sword earrings to symbolise a sharp mind, lending logic and power to new ways of thinking. And basically what she was saying was, I needed to cut through some shit in my life. (laughs) And and I did wear those earrings for a long time. And I did visualise myself cutting through shit, definitely, when it came my way, (laughs) as it does in all our lives. And so, do you feel like it's sort of almost like a sort of spiritual reading when you suggest certain symbols to people for individuals, what would suit them? I, I actually always encourage people to put their intuition in motion. However, some people, because they're so focused on the outside, it's not easy for them to listen to their heart. It's not so easy for them to to work with intuition. They're too much in the mind. So I then interfere to help, you know, because we all can feel each other's energy. So I'm more in tune, more open. And my intention is always truly 100% focusing on the person that I am working with, like a doctor, you know, like the doctor looks and feels your tension and, uh, you know, listens to your heart. I listen to the heart and I always hear what's going on. But in any of your stores, when you're not there, someone has to trust their intuition to pick a piece that speaks to them and they don't know why, but that's probably what they need. You know, mostly people, absolutely, 100%, they know. For example, they're drawn to a jewel they see on somebody else. They come to the store and they want to have the same. But then when they put it on, it just doesn't feel right. So then they are drawn to something else there. And when they check the meaning, they're like, okay, this is actually what I need, not the other one. And sometimes, of course, the people who are in the store having experienced with so many others, they help too. You know, they know the symbols, they know they worked with so many different people. So it's uh, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a very organic journey. And should we, I mean, is it linked to birth signs at all? Should we be aware of our birth signs when um, when we choose something? I love working on birth signs. Because uh, it makes my uh, analysis much easier 
when I know uh, what the bird sign is, there are certain qualities of each bird sign and elements. One of the key paths in manifestation is working with elements. Each element in nature uh, corresponds to a certain archetypal force. You know, some people are too much air. They think they communicate. You know, some people are too much fire. They are always, uh, you know, on the run. They are very passionate. But you have to have the inspiration, the water, the cleansing, the emotion. You have to have the fire, the passion. You have to have the air, the communication. And you need to have the earth, the manifestation, to put your hand in mud. You know, us Virgos and the Taurus people, Capricorn. So you need to have all these energies together. Me, I'm a Virgo, so I need a lot of air to lighten up, you know, because what happens with the earth receives everything, like Mother Earth. It's heavy. It's always trying to work, clean, organize, bring structure. But for the earth to realize its own potential needs a lot of fire, needs a lot of air, needs purification, definitely water to nurture the emotions. So this kind of knowledge helps me. This this kind of knowledge helps everyone. The key, like Aristotle said, know yourself. It's a journey. We're always looking outside to get to understand the world and others around us. But the key is to listen inside. Astrology is one of the tools that helps, but it's not the only thing. It depends on having an inner dialogue where we tell ourselves what is going on what we want, what are the obstacles in front of us, how we sabotage ourselves, which thoughts do not empower us. We need to hear the inner voice. And then we need to hear our utmost higher self's inner voice. That is our soul's potential. And I always say there is one light, many lamps, symbols. My jewelry is definitely one of them because I found it extremely empowering because it does not connect to any other dogma. It does not connect to a belief system. And it does not say, come to me, listen to what I'm saying. Here's the tool. It just simply empowers people to put them in tune with their own inner nature, with their own inner divinity. There are so many different archetypes and we are so many different people from each other, but together we are strong together we can like put the puzzles, uh, the pieces of a puzzle together and we fit. So the key is to understand where we are in this puzzle, how our role will help the totality. And once we know it, we are energized. That is our highest potential. That is our journey. Like what empowers us is actually how we can serve, how we can help others. That's our soul's calling. And I guess at different phases of your life, at different life moments, you're going to need different symbols. Absolutely. For example, um, like I said, some symbols are related to the elemental powers. Uh, they, uh, like the, the sword you just mentioned, is the gift of an illuminated mind. It's a sharp tongue, a sharp mind, cuts through. It empowers you. It connects you to your... Uh, your mind power, but you are one with the divine intelligence. You are receiving that light in your heart. It's a, the sword is a 
tool for connection. So sometimes when you need to let go of what doesn't serve you, it's an incredible power talisman, power symbol. But then uh, there is another time where we need to connect to the to the beauty in our heart, like the rose, opening your heart to the light of love, to your own inner beauty. Then, you know, there is a lightning where you need to connect to that incredible fire energy to burn what does not help you and to connect to an inner enlightenment, you know, to look out, to look inside. So these uh, beautiful symbols really totally inspire me because they each say something different and beautiful about where we are in our soul's journey and what we need most. It's like you crave for, let's say, milk, because perhaps your body needs protein or I don't know what milk. I've never craved for milk, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Cheese, definitely, definitely (laughs) cheese. So uh, your your soul also tells you it's uh, you need to just shut the mind, shut the mouth and focus on the heart's uh, voice, the inner voice, the inner vision. Um, so, H. A. Do, do we need to wear it every day? If you are working on a manifestation, definitely wearing your symbol every day helps. I even teach people how to charge your symbol with your intention. It's not just wearing the symbol. It's about charging your symbol. So there is your current self as you are today, but then there is another self that needs to be revealed, that needs to manifest itself. So there are two different frequencies. There is the frequency AM frequency, and then there is the frequency FM frequency. So the idea is to visualize what is the FM frequency like, the new frequency, who you would be, because you would be a different energetic being. 20 years ago, when I had only the dream of being a jewelry designer with uh, winning so many awards, adorning so many thousands of beautiful people, this was a dream. In my life, when this dream is actualized, I'm actually vibrating with that energy. But before, you vibrate with the energy of lack. There is a big gap between you and your dream. I think probably as we we go through life, you begin to see what you want. But for younger people who have all these choices out there, there seem to be a million choices, but how do they pick the right thing for them? How do they know what their dream is if they haven't yet seen it or they haven't thought of it? There is a beautiful symbol uh, that talks about that. That's the flower of life. So I'm a very perfectionist person. I was always afraid of making the wrong choice. So uh, it was very difficult for me to make a choice. And even when I'm in one reality, I would say, okay, what what about that other one? What flower of life says is when you are connected to your heart's light, all paths are fine. They are just as good as each other. So my suggestion, my wisdom for that is there is no one ultimate truth. At each stage in your life, there is the gift and light of that stage. Your heart, your soul's learning. There is no single ultimate truth or ultimate destiny for anybody out there. There are so many different selves. I was great working for those companies learning all that knowledge, learning how to create an, you know, multinational brand, working with technology. And now is my path, you know, sharing this spiritual light through my jewelry, empowering people, empowering women. But maybe it's going to be something different in 10 years time. 
So it's the soul's calling. I think it's like you cannot eat the same thing every day anyway. And we don't need to know. Do, is it just goddesses or are you empowering gods as well? <laughs> or do you just think this is for women? It's such a beautiful question. The goddess means the inner feminine. And every one of us out there, it's not about men or women. We, uh, we, we have the feminine aspect. The feminine is the soul. The feminine is beauty. Feminine is compassion. Feminine is grace. So these qualities definitely are our gifts as women, but they are also gifts of men. I think what's going on in the world right now is we need these qualities to be awakened. And this is why there is such a huge women's movement out there. It's not women becoming more powerful. It's about every one of us being more spiritual. And that's the route to happiness. And that's the route to having a better mood for in your life. Everything is energy. So happiness for me is light. You know, like when I wake up, how much drive and energy I have. We are, when we are flowing, when we are truly manifesting our dream, which is our soul's calling, we are energized. My purpose is to help people to connect themselves with their inner light to, through my jewelry and listen to their soul's calling, their inner vision. Look inside, not outside. Pause, you know. This is what my brand tells people. You know, rather than trying to attach more values to us, buy me, you're going to be this, buy me, you're going to be that. We are already one. There is one of each one of us. We are limited edition pieces. When you know there is only one Carol and one Eje, we open our ears, our hearts, and this moment becomes so magical. Well, I know there have been um, women like Rihanna, Kate Moss, Cara Delevingne, who've all worn your pieces. But have you on, a, on um, any level seen watched somebody's um, progress when you think they really have changed their life wearing your jewellery? Have you, have you had an experience of that? I have seen the beautiful Kate Winslet. You know, she wore one of my pieces. I'm such a big fan of her. Admired that woman. And so uh, maybe around six, seven years ago, she connected with one of my jewels, one of my symbolic jewels. I've seen how... Everything unfolded. She's totally realized her potential with incredible series. And, you know, she's won awards, the Time Award. She's done so many exciting projects. She's such a role model on authenticity and, you know, connected to her essence. To me, she's one of the most inspiring stories among the celebrity people who are among the biggest friends. When we really, really are focused with our intention, when we believe in our own dreams, and then, you know, the doors open in front of us. It comes with an intention to make a difference in our lives, and it beautifully comes when we are most unhappy with it. Change doesn't come when we are so happy. We are always in that comfort zone. So you do need a point of, okay, you know, enough is enough. I want to make a change. And I have to say, I've worn your your evil eye on my little finger the whole way through COVID. So I haven't taken it off for about two years. Um, and I, here I am. So, and I started this podcast in the middle <laughs> of lockdown. So 
I think it has protected me in some way. The eye, uh, the eye is a symbol of rebirth and vision. I call the eye uh, the eye light because eye is a symbol of light. It's the feminine organ, actually. You know, takes the seed. It takes one seed, the iris, and then it brings out a new life. It's about receiving the light. So eye is a very sacred symbol. The protection of it comes because it puts us in touch with our own inner wisdom, and that that inner wisdom opens the path, opens the window to a new reality, to a new uh, potential, I would say. So here you go with your podcast. And I actually had told you so many years ago that I see you in front of cameras. I see you doing programs in broadcasting. I wonder if you remember that when we first met in London. I do. Everyone that, I mean, if you can get to meet Eche when, if anyone's in London or in New York or whenever, wherever she is, find out because um, it is a very mood-enhancing moment when you meet her and also when you wear one of her pieces of jewellery. So thank you so much, Eche, for joining us and sharing all that wisdom and all that positivity. Thank you, beautiful Carol. I always say beauty is in the heart of the beholder. Everything you say belongs to you. Thank you so much for inviting me to your beautiful podcast. So proud. Thank you. When we are talking about mood-enhancing jewels, we're not just talking about the design. We cannot rule out talking about the stones as well because I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone is tapping into crystal power and using them as a purposeful shield for daily life in their jewellery and as a mood enhancer. Victoria Beckham uses them before a show. Kate Hudson tells me that she never travels without them. Gwyneth Paltrow sends them on goop. Everyone is looking for mood enhancing jewellery. I think it's not just the fashionable and fashion people, even though the beauty director's desk at Vogue is awash with stones for how she feels on different days. Um, It's also young people, young people on apps, young people on Instagram or sharing or sharing crystal jewellery and how they use them. And I think it's part of wanting a deeper meaning of fulfilment and and happiness. But of course, there's no experiment, no double blind test that you can do to attest to whether or not it does improve people's mood. Are they magic spells or not? And we've got today, I'm delighted to say Jacqueline Rabun joining us from Los Angeles to talk about stones and how they can improve your mood. Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Carol. I wanted to just start off with how how you feel about stones personally, having worked with them for so many years. Do they improve your mood when you're working with them? I have been working with gemstones for quite a while. In fact, my first pieces that I designed incorporated uh, quartz crystal. At that particular time, I was living in Los Angeles at that time. And so had stones to be used for healing purposes was was really important here, actually. I like to say important because I do think that they have healing qualities about them. But it's also the energy that you put into the stones. And it's really what you believe. I mean, they are natural. They're from the earth. So they do hold a quiet quite an interesting energy and each one is a little bit different. So what do you look for when you're looking for a stone? Do you feel that energy when you're looking at them? I mean, I'm drawn to certain stones naturally, like rutilated quartz crystal, for its healing properties. 
but also I, I love the way that rutilated quartz crystals um, work with 18 karat yellow gold. I mean, that is, I guess, one of my signatures. I love all the inclusions within that stone as well. I think it's beautiful. Because it's got little pieces. They almost look like little hair's breadth while of gold that's sort of running through the stone. Exactly. And that's that's what I love about it, combined with, with, with yellow gold. I just, I just think it's so beautiful. That is a stone that I like to work with a lot. And can you tell us a little about the designs you did with the carpenter or for the carpenter's workshop? Because that had rutilated quartz, didn't it? Yes. So the project that I've, I've created for Carpenter's Workshop Gallery is called Metanoia. It really, I mean, my, most of my collections are, are, are sort of the story of my life, but they're also the story of everyone's life. Particularly during pandemic, I noticed that a lot of people wanted to make those kind of heartfelt life changes. They wanted Metanoia. So I used the 18 karat yellow gold um, to encase rutilated quartz crystal and rutilated quartz crystal it supports those kind of life changes it helps with manifestation it helps to ground you um when when you're moving forward in your life does it need to be on your skin the quartz to to manifest this energy i don't think so because you know you can have them also sitting in your room i mean i have a bowl of crystals on my table now what's in your bowl um jacqueline what crystals do you keep by you I have some beautiful oval-shaped moss agates, quartz crystals, and I also have aventurine, which is another stone that I really love. And I also have some very sentimental pebbles that I've collected since I've been here in California. So it's all sitting together. And where do you collect the pebbles? I really love, I mean, like the beaches here are amazing. Um, so I do a bit of um, beach combing while I'm there um, to find some beautiful shaped stones um, that speak to me. So in the same vein as some um, Viviana Torumbulofuba for George Jensen, who used to famously make her pendants that we've spoken about on If Jules Could Talk. Yes. Yes, no, there, I mean, she was a master of bringing these stones together and creating the most fantastic pieces of jewellery. Do you set these pebbles yourself into jewels that you pick up? I don't. I just leave them to remind me of, of, of you know, beautiful times. They're just on my table in, in the bowl amongst my other gemstones. Because I suppose that's the other way that jewellery can enhance your mood is it's, it's a memory, isn't it? It brings a happy memory to mind. So that can also be very mood enhancing on a grey day, can't it? Oh, 100%. I just like to have them around me. I don't think it's necessarily it has to be worn on the body. But one of the collections that I designed, it's called A Beautiful Life. I show that collection at PAD. It's a pendant, but you can actually take the stone out of the pendant and hold it for comfort. And you could put the stone back in and, and wear it. So it, it actually gives you both options to have it, you know, in the pendant or, you know, just simply holding it or, or simply just having it on the table near you. Now, it was really beautiful, that, and I thought it was so clever because you have this thing that so much of the stones, I think, have that sort of tactile quality and it's almost like touch it for luck. 
And if you just have it out, have it in your palm, I think it is quite a calming thing. I think it is. And especially, you know, the shapes, these kind of lovely organic shapes also, you know, that sort of fit nicely in your hand, I, I do think is quite soothing for the soul. And do people specifically buy those from you? Do they say, I want to change this in my life. I want to feel better. I want to be happier. I want to be in a good mood every morning. They don't say it, but there's a sense that, you know, you can always sense when someone's going through a, a major change and they need to be supported in some way because we I also make this pendant with other stones and, and I allow customers to choose the stone that actually speaks to them. I think that's important. And that is something they feel or they might come to you and say, listen, turquoise does something for me. Could you do it in turquoise? Exactly. It's something that they feel. It has to feel true to them. Uh, that's super important. I recently wrote a book called The New Stone Age because I wanted to know what I thought about the energy that people talk about. And of course, I hear about all the time when I go and talk to jewellers and they're, oh, we never cut rubies in the evening because we get too frantic and hyper and they're too energetic. We have to cut them in the morning. And I wanted to know what I felt about it. So I looked at that and I thought there's something propelling us now to go back to sort of simpler modes of looking for more spiritual things in our lives. And I thought it's more like what the ancients used to, how they used to use stones as amulets and talismans. And do you think that's happening more now? I do, I do, particularly the, the times that we're living in that aren't, they're not very easy times for sure. There's there's a lot of, a lot of chaos at the moment. And I think a lot of people just, they I think a lot of people need to be grounded. They need to feel supported and I do think holding you know having crystals around you it can you know they can also absorb some negative energy as well and I think that I think it's very important. Does a crystal have that or do you think having a bowl of diamonds <laughs> lurking around your house would have the same effect or does it need to be a crystal as opposed to a precious stone? I think it can also be a precious stone I think you know I think they they both have energy, you know, they're both from the earth. So they both, you know, they, they're both valid. I just happen to have a preference for, for gemstones. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I love the fact of rutilated quartz or clear crystal. When you see what's inside the sort of, they're little gases and little air bubbles, but they look like little wisps of smoke and they're rather romantic. And I think that that shows it's come from the earth. So that makes it something special, doesn't it? Because it's part of its journey, its individual journey up from the centre of the earth to be found. Absolutely, I agree. It's like a little, it's like a world within a little gemstone and, and, and stories that can be told. I, don't, I just find them really fascinating. And the more inclusions, the better. I agree. I always, I always feel like that represents what, what life is, you know. It's, it's a series of ups and downs and perfection and flaws and that's what I find when I look in a gemstone with a lot of inclusion. And I guess um, different stages of people's lives as well. They might need different things or just heavy support for particular moments. Absolutely. And have you noticed visibly somebody's life, their mood changing or then having a knock-on effect because they were in a better mood that their life, their life trajectory improved? Have you ever noticed that? Yes, I have. With a few people, I think the thing that I really noticed is a sort of a, a, a calm, a sense of calm that, that 
came over a couple of people that I know and myself as well. Feeling more grounded and and less fearful and less anxiety and a sense of well-being. I mean, some people have a much more extreme experience. Adele was quoted in the paper as saying she had one of her best shows at London's O2 Arena because she had her crystals with her. And one of her most disastrous performances, she said in her interview, was when she went to the Grammys and she said, I lost my crystals. She used a much ruder word. <laughs> she said, damn, <laughs> I lost my crystals and that's why my performance wasn't as good. So some people do have formed this kind of reliance, don't they? Yeah, I'm not sure about that because I think whilst they do support us and they're very healing, I think we also have to do the work on ourselves without them. Yeah, so you've got to think of what you want to change. So if you want to be in a good mood, you've got to say, tomorrow I'm going to be in a good mood when I wake up. And you get your crystal to remind you. Yeah, it's a reminder. Yeah, I, I did um, in my book, actually, I referred to um, the placebo effect and how it does have a very robust a part of our life. Our brain is so um, powerful, isn't it? Much more powerful than we think. And actually, I quoted someone called Ted Katchuk, who's the professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and a leading figure in placebo studies. And he said, placebo has generally been denigrated in medicine, but I always wanted to figure out ways to ethically harness it. He said his, its therapeutic actions can be genuine and robust and its benefits should be promoted, not dismissed. So I, I think that's a good way of looking at it, that the crystals provide something and set in jewellery and you're going to wear it every day in a little ritual, put it on, but it's got to be a reminder of what you want to change and what you want to be. And I agree. I agree. And I and I do agree about the placebo effect. Because your mind is your mind is controlling everything. When you take take the time to want to make those changes and you really, really, you know, meditate on, on those changes on a daily basis, they happen. You know, you'll look up one day and, and suddenly you're living the life that you wanted to live. It happens. But it, it is a discipline and it is, um, it's not for everyone, but it is a, it's a discipline and it, and it can be done. And in the meantime, you get to wear something really beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> There's the upside of the hard work. Exactly. <laughs> and your, your beautiful piece of jewelry is a reminder of, of where you want to go in your life, what, what maybe you're trying to manifest, you know. And for younger people who might not know where they want to go, can it help them figure it out? As long as you're doing the work, you know, like, let's say the meditation work or the gratitude work or, you know, whatever re resonates with you, as long as you're doing that alongside the crystal work, then I think it's effective. But I do think you have to get into your mind and make some changes. And does it matter that you're, you're working and polishing and working with this crystal? Does it matter that you'll make it into something more refined and beautiful? It doesn't have to be a rough chunk of something. I think it can be either one, whatever works for you. I mean, a lot of people lot prefer stones to be loose and not set because I, I, I understand they think that the, the metal kind of distracts from the energy of the stone. But I think it's either way. I think they're, they're still powerful when they're set as well. So do you think that rutilated quartz and rock crystal is the theme that runs through your career? Is that something that you always go back to? It is, definitely. Especially the, the, the rutilated quartz. 
it's just the, the, the like I was saying, it's, it's, it's the rutilation, you know, those kind of, that represents flaws and imperfection and to me, and that's what life is about, you know, it's not perfect. But the imperfection is the beauty of life. And you're in LA where everybody's a crystal believer, aren't they, in LA? They are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A bit too crazy crystal believing or you think that's okay? I think it's too much. But, you know, I think everybody has to find what works for them at the same time. Again, I do think it's about doing the work, you know, like healing yourself, however you do that. I think that's that's the first step. Mm-hmm. And then the crystals can support the healing. But for sure, stone in a beautiful piece of jewellery can make can enhance your mood and make you feel better in the morning. I think so. And um, it's interesting being here because you do see a lot of jewellery with beautiful coloured gemstones. People wear it quite a lot here, um, much more than in London at least that I notice. Yeah, the more I see it, the more I, you know, I love it and really understand why people wear them. And I guess it's a different light there, isn't it? It's a much stronger, you've got the sun for a start. <laughs> so do you notice what people are wearing right now? Is there a particular stone that's very fashionable in LA? Good question. I, there's, they wear pretty much all the stones, like rose quartz, I notice, amethyst, quartz crystal, Pretty much all of the gemstones they wear, and of course they wear diamonds. <laughs> we're in LA, but um, but yes, you you do see a lot of jewelry with gemstones here. A lot of turquoise, isn't it? Really in California, turquoise as well, which is beautiful. And it's it's interesting because I, you know, I I have my other life in in Copenhagen with George mm-hmm. Jensen with George Jensen, and you know, it's about minimalist silver and gold jewelry in general so it's it's quite an extreme to be here and to see so many people wearing you know wearing jewelry in their own special way but definitely a lot of gemstones and so you don't ever not want to be working with gemstones so you're always on your own on your own collections incorporating these stones into your work i am and more and more actually Mm. i'm 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 working on some some new concepts around gemstones, um, not only in my jewellery, but in objects for the home. That's nice. We like um, crystal objects for the home. I love that. I think it's so beautiful when you see these stones carved in beautiful organic shapes. I just think it's it's so fascinating to me. So I'm definitely incorporating a lot more into my work. I guess the idea would be to have an object in the home that you can just pick something out of or take part of it away and wear it and take it on the rest of your day with you. So you're taking your stone to make your mood good, but you're also taking a bit of home with you. Absolutely. And I love that idea. I love that, you know, I I love the beautiful formation of crystals, of course, but I also love when they're, they're, they're carved in unexpected organic shapes and forms. I love that. And any rules you give people when they're looking for stones? What do you tell them to look for? The most important thing is to really find stones that resonate with you and that, that elevate, your, elevate your mood in general. And uh, I think you have to experiment a little bit with the stones. I mean, so also some people are not attracted to certain colors. So 
I think you should love the color of the stone because it's going to benefit you much more if you really love it. So it's it's a few different elements. I do suggest stones sometimes, but more, most likely people come to me and say, I want to have something made from lapis or, you know, whatever stone they, they desire. Mm-hmm. So they've already kind of identified something and then you find it for them. In most cases, definitely. I mean, now you're in California. Do you ever go out stone hunting in the mountains? Uh, I haven't done that one yet, but I do go exploring to different places, you know, different shops and things where people are very, very into gemstones. And there's quite a few places here that you can find some extraordinary stones and we're so close to Arizona and that's also you know gemstones are very important there as well so yeah it's I'm I'm loving it because it's um it's pushing me creatively to kind of think in a slightly different way and there's no no particular part of the body you should wear these these stone jewels I I think on the heart near the heart or on the hands so a long pendant a long pendant a lot of people say they should sit on the chakras as well so but again that's also what feels right for the wearer and I think it also happens very organically somebody chooses a stone and they have you know they have a desire for let's say a particular pendant and and we make it and you know it will it will actually find its place on your body where it needs to be sitting to do the work how does it find its place? Well, you know, it, it's it's about the, the the design and the scale of the design, and then, you know, when we try when I try it on a client, then it will just you know it will fall in a certain place, and I think that's usually where it needs to be, around the heart or around the throat, or the solar plexus. So it can do its thing. It can. Well, Jacqueline, thank you very much indeed for sharing with us your thoughts on stones and how to enhance our mood every day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes of If Jewels Could Talk, please go to our website, carawalton.com slash podcasts. You'll find us on any of the usual platforms where you find your podcasts and leave us a rating or a comment and we'd love to hear from you. Please join me again in two weeks for the next Jeweled Nugget, when I will be talking to Julian Fellows, the British actor, writer, director, Gosford Park, Downton Abbey, and more recently, The Gilded Age. And I'm going to be quizzing him about the role of jewellery in his work and on film. You're not going to want to miss this. So please join me again, and thanks for listening. Goodbye. If Jewels Could Talk with Carol Walton is produced by Natasha Cowan, music and editing by Tim Thornton, graphics by Scott Bentley, illustration by Geordie Labanda, and you can find me on Instagram at Carol Walton.